what happened today? What was your day like today? What was my day like today? Um, busy, as, as always, fast-paced. Um, I got the opportunity to offer some pretty exciting jobs uh, for new positions to uh, two individuals, and so just really excited to see how that plays out and uh, worked a couple big contracts today, so just, a, just another day in the life. Nice, well, okay, so what time do you typically like wake up in the morning? What's, do, you, do you have like a set schedule? I'm sure you've gotta have some kind of structure and I have a super chaos. regimented morning. Mm. I, nothing good happens for me at night. All the good stuff happens in the morning. So I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I am ready to go put together by 5.30 in the morning. And then I've got the time from 5.30 to 6.30 to myself to read, to meditate, to pray. And then 6.30, the show starts with the kids. By 7.30, they're off to school. And by 8 o'clock, I'm at my office. Wow. And how many kids do you have? Three kids. I have uh, two boys and a girl, Ethan, Connor, and Cora. They are nine, seven, and six years old. Wow. So that's got to be um, quite the quite the task to get them up and, and going. Are they going to school already? Like They they are. They're in a private school, and so their school uh, is, of course, governed by church, not state, so they've been open. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't send my kids back right away when school started because I just wasn't convinced that you could be in this atmosphere safely, mm-hmm. um, but their school has done a phenomenal job of keeping the kids and the teachers and the faculty and staff safe, and so they went back, um, I'd say in November, Okay. and I think that was good for them. I mean, I think home. I think homeschooling was kind of good for them in some ways. I mean, it's a, definitely a different perspective. Um, I was really stressed and nervous about it. Uh, one, because I do not think I was built to be a teacher, um, although everybody's still passing, and I think we're going to advance to the next grade, so yes. I guess it works out okay. <laughs> but... Um, uh, you know, I just, I was concerned about it. You know, I, I wasn't really built that way. And then it's three kids doing homeschooling at the same time, different, you know, content, but it's all happening at once. And then, you know, there was still work. And certainly, you know, back then there was a whole different level of uncertainty regarding the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of chose to say, this is probably the closest I'm ever going to come in my life to being a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. And it can't last forever. Um, I didn't know we'd still be at it a year later, but it can't last forever. And so I choose to embrace it. And and so it was really it was really fun. It was really great. But uh, they did go back in November, and I think that was important for them from the socialization aspect. You know, kids' worlds it, it's so small. You know, mm-hmm. they've got home, they've got school, they've got church, and you strip two of those things away, and now the world really really shrunk. And you know, they're social individuals just like we are. Just the same way we missed uh, company and friends and outings, you know, early on in the pandemic, so did they. And so I think it was really good for their mental and emotional health to be able to get back into community with their friends and their teachers. And Yeah, I mean, um, it's really important for kids, like, no birthday parties, no, like, Mm. hanging out. I mean, at least as adults, I don't know about your children at that age, but at least we have, like, our phones and social media to stay Mm -hmm. in contact. But with kids, I mean, it's it's school and maybe friends and neighborhood kids, and that's pretty much about it, right? Especially during all of the pandemic stuff. So that's cool that they're kind of back up and at it. Yeah, yeah, they're excited about and it, what, for sure. And what about things um, at all of the dealerships? Like, how are you all doing at all of the dealerships? What what What's the last year been like for, for all of those? Uh, <laughs> praise God, Jerry, it's been great. Mm. Um, the, the dealerships have been doing phenomenally. You know, the beginning of the pandemic was really challenging uh, for all of us. 
but mostly because of uncertainty. You know, you didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I can still remember March 13th sitting uh, in a side chair in my living room watching the news thinking, oh man, I'm not prepared for this. You know, ask me yeah. what to do and, you know, uh, when, when the market changes or when there's inventory shortages or supply chain issues, and I can answer those questions, but a, a global health crisis? Yeah. I, I have no idea how we're gonna navigate this, which was a moment, right? So yeah. that's a moment where you realize um, we don't have a plan for a global pandemic, you know, and, and clearly we need one. Mm -hmm. And so we got to putting one together and uh, might've taken it a little too far. We called it our emergency management protocol, but it went into phases and, you know, this was, you know, current status, phase one, and then, you know, progressively, looking forward to what could happen that that plan got a little more intense and we had some long you know late phone calls with our executive team members explaining to them this is what this is going to look like if the future goes this way or that way and just trying to be prepared for every circumstance when you realize you're prepared for absolutely nothing that's going on mm -hmm. and so there was some pushback in the beginning um from from our team members from uh, uh customers from vendors from everyone who we were all together getting used to this new norm of the social distancing and the face mask and you know was it going to be elective was it not elective were you an essential business were you not an essential business did a business have the right to mandate that you wore a mask did it not right so it's just a lot of curiosity um and uncertainty to navigate, mm -hmm. and uh, so those first few months were a little challenging, and, and I think everybody got used to it, and, and as you saw things getting worse, you know, around the country and around the world, I think everybody had a greater appreciation for some of the things that we instituted very early on, and, mm -hmm. and really fell in line with that, and um, and funny enough, uh, now we find ourselves wearing the mask all day and realizing we hadn't taken it off, and it's just become so normal. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes I'll I'll go to the store and then I'll keep my mask, and, and now it's just become so normal that I'm like driving around, and I'm that uh -huh. dude like uh -huh. driving by himself in the car, and I still have the mask <laughs> on. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. yeah, I did I did that the other day too, and I was like, man, I could have been breathing freely this whole I know, time. <laughs> I know, and um, you know, it's it's definitely been a change and now that we're kind of coming out of it too I kind of feel like um, some of the stuff is kind of I've, I've taken some of this the good stuff out of the pandemic and really embraced it um, and and it's nice to be kind of going back to what used to be normal but it's kind of different right I think it's gonna be a new normal mm -hmm. I, I don't think we're gonna go back to normal I think we're going to have a new normal um, I think certainly a lot of good things did come out of the pandemic for mm -hmm. many people if you choose to take that perspective and, and see it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's a lot of conveniences that were offered because of the pandemic that I think consumers are going to continue to demand going forward, right? Mm -hmm. So um, can I say Target on the podcast? Yeah. But, um, Target brought their drive-up service. Oh, and I don't right. know if that existed in other parts of the country previously, but oh, for Target our area. Oh, Target the store. Yes. Oh, I thought, which, this is sponsored by Walmart. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. I was going to say, we're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> but, um, you know, they came up with their drive-up service just as everything was getting intense with the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was a brilliant thing to keep consumers out of the store, but, you know, still serve them in a safe sort of way. And whether that was their intentionality or not, or whether this was something that was in the works and they're planning beforehand, I think certainly that's gonna be part of our new normal for long to come because it's 
it's shown customers a side of convenience that maybe they didn't expect or know that they could get before. So a lot of these curbside services, I think, are going to be here to stay. For sure. um, we, we grew 300% in the number of vehicles that we sell completely online, meaning wow. you've selected the car on the internet, mm-hmm. you've gone through all of the price negotiation, um, you've financing so- and you've selected your um, ancillary products, your insurance products you may or may not want, um, and submitted your uh, credit information to a lender, gotten your approval, and signed the documents, except for um, I don't know, Jerry, six or seven state mandated documents that we have to have a wet ink signature on. Mm-hmm. Um, that process has grown 300% for us. That's amazing. And, and I think that's something that's going to be here to stay as it should. So mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to go back to completely normal, but I think we're going to find a new normal. And I think there's going to be more good that's come out of this than bad. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's really fast tracked a lot of things that we were already kind of going down the path anyway, mm-hmm. but this time it was like, okay, now we need to adapt and we need to adapt like now it's not like six months from now or maybe like next year we'll kind of do it or whatever yeah it definitely fast-tracked a lot of a lot of different things well it fast-tracked our um our online shopping process too because Mm -hmm. i had really held that up thinking i want it to be perfect i want it to be perfect i want it to look like this and function this way and do that and so we had gone back to the drawing board what feels like a zillion times um trying to tweak it and perfect it and i remember you know if it was march or april at the time uh calling calling our lead guy on this project and just saying you know what mike it doesn't matter if it's right or not just just launch it if it's broken just launch it we'll we'll clean up the mess along the way but we've got to get going because we don't know where this is going to go and this may be the only avenue Mm -hmm. um and and that was actually a really good thing for us because Mm -hmm. sometimes you learn better and can refine better when you're in the middle of the mess than when you're looking at it from the outside so you know it it pushed us along and and forced us to move faster and i'm glad it did yeah you know and that i think that's a really good point is you know a lot of people myself included Sometimes when you want to try to do something or you're trying to make a move or you're trying to make a change or something, you always kind of wait for all of the elements to fall in in their place. And you don't really take action until it's like, well, this has to be right and this has Mm -hmm. to be right and this has to be right before I can do this. Uh, But sometimes and uh, in in a lot of respects, it's like you just have to do it. Yeah. You just have to do it, whether it's you're at 100 percent or 80 percent or 70 percent, you just have to do it and then you just kind of fix it along the way. Yep. yep. And I think we, I think we did it more effectively by doing it that way. So mm-hmm. live and learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's a process, I think of just consistent refinement. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a lot of times, especially like, I, I don't know, I feel like this, this as a business owner is, um, you're sometimes I feel like you're constantly working on like a flying airplane and you know, it's our, it's in flight, but you're still trying to work on it and uh-huh. trying to modify it as it's currently in flight. And that's a real um, challenging thing. Um, but like, you know, for you, you wake up early in the morning and you meditate or read or, you know, what kind of, because it sounds like you're so busy, it sounds like you've got a super crazy schedule. What keeps you level? Like what's the one thing that you think keeps you level? I, I think that time in the morning, I mean, that's, it, it is, 
I think it's critical to my ability to function mm. that I have that quiet time in the morning that is just all to me, all to myself where I can, um, you know, and sometimes I'm reading trade publication articles and um, sometimes I'm reading my Bible. Sometimes I'm praying, sometimes I'm praying for an answer, but one way or the other, it is, uh, it's one spot in my day every day where it's quiet, the world is shut out, and it's just me, and mm. I can center and focus and really be prepared for the day ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, but I read somewhere where, you know, they say that the best way to kind of start your day is to always say three things that you're grateful for, uh, because that kind of gets you into a really nice mindset as you kind of launch the day, because mm -hmm. so many things can be thrown at you. I can't even imagine um, being the CEO of how many dealerships do y'all have? Uh, we have 18 rooftops and 22 franchises. My goodness. Um, I would imagine you get thrown curveballs every day. It is never the same day twice. It's interesting <laughs> every day. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I've always heard that that's been a good practice. And it's something that I try to do also mm -hmm. uh, as a good practice in, in life is, is just to try to remember those just three things, just three little things that you're grateful for every day and then just kind of puts you in a nice little positive mindset. For sure. Um, you know, in terms of like dealing with stress, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, do you do exercise? Do you do a little bit of wine in them? Uh, some days are better than others <laughs> in terms of dealing with stress. I will say every day this week I've said, okay, um, mommy needs to go exercise mommy needs to go exercise because mm -hmm. I've just been so wound up but um yeah I know it's a, a variety of things I think when I've got the ex the especially intense stress mm -hmm. uh, exercise is a great go-to because it's that physical uh you know that physical release but uh you know certainly making time for my girlfriends and and conversation and something that is just aside from work aside from responsibilities I think is so important mm -hmm. you know I think we all need time to um, just be and just just delight in in our surrounding and the and the people that we've been blessed with you know in our lives and and so yeah sometimes it's a little more vigorous with exercise and sometimes you know it's uh, surrounding yourself with wonderful people. Yeah. I'm an extrovert for sure, so I get my energy. Uh, I get re-energized by being around other people. Well, so you started in marketing, right? Or at least that that's the way that you kind of started in the Bird Ogden. Mm -hmm. arena was mm -hmm. in the marketing department so by i guess by default most people most marketing people are quite quite a bit of um extroverts and mm -hmm. so um I, I would assume that you know a lot of people and a lot of people know you uh but is is there like a um uh, and i'm sure you have a wonderful support system mm -hmm. uh who is like do you have that kind of one go-to person because i hear it's lonely at, it can be very lonely at the top <laughs> Because you can't really talk about like all of the stresses and things, especially with, you know, uh, people that you work with and association with. But do you have like those go to people? Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't get it uh, many, many years ago. But yes, it is. It is lonely at the top for sure. Um, and that's OK. But yeah, there's a there's a ton of people that you know, but I, I can count on one one hand how many people are in that tight inner circle that I can really, you know, open up to and, and you know, just kind of let those stresses go with. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, um, I think the, the biggest question that I have, and it's a 
kind of easy, simple question, but kind of complicated to to um, to answer. I would imagine is is like, how did you do it? How did you um, how did you get to the very top of the largest dealer group in the Rio Grande Valley? You know, how did you become CEO? Um, you're right. That is not the simplest question to answer. <laughs> right. Um, and, and really only because it's not a short journey to get there. But, um, you know, I'll tell you. So there's a motivational speaker um, who says your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Mm. And I think that's such a phenomenal saying. And uh, I don't know why, but very early on in working here, I would watch Mr. Vacker and watch, uh, you know, the work that he did and, and how he would conduct this orchestra of ongoings and, and do it in such a way that you had this, you know, beautiful business moving forward and growing and flourishing and, and so many pieces. And he did so much of it, you know, by himself. And somewhere along the way, um, before I was even 20 years old, I got this idea in my mind that I, I can do this. Mm. I, I can do that someday. Someday I'd like to run these dealerships. But I never said that out loud to anyone mm. because in my mind, you know, what, what business do I have saying something like that? Um, but it was a perpetual thought. It wasn't an intentional thought, but for whatever reason, it was a perpetual thought. Mm -hmm. um, and I continued to take advantage of opportunities that, that came my way and continue on in my education. And it was always a perpetual thought in the back of my mind. And um, so I, I do, I think that that is very true, that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And, um, you know, I was quoted in an article one time as saying, I lack the capacity to mind my own business. And <laughs> that is so true, but not in the gossipy sort of way from the perspective that if there's a problem, I, I just can't sit still. I've got to dig in. I've got to, you know, grab it, take ownership of it, you know, and, and you know, fix it. And I've got this opinion that, you know, for whatever reason, I, I was called to this for a purpose, and it's a purpose that's bigger than me. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity to make a really positive impact on a great number of people, and I take that very, very seriously. And, yeah. um, you know, so there's a very technical path to, you know, how I got here, and we could walk through stages and jobs and responsibilities and, you know, uh, points of promotion and things like that. But I think that really at the core of it all was um, believing in yourself, mm -hmm. having a clear direction of what you want to achieve, whether you really were clear about how you were going to get there or not. And one thing I don't think people ever talk about mm -hmm. often enough is that you always need somebody in your corner. You mm -hmm. know, you, you you always need somebody tugging you along. And I was very fortunate to have that encouragement and endorsement from Bob and Janet both. Um, you know, and so I think when all of those things come into alignment, there's there's nowhere you can't, you can't, can't go. go. Mm -hmm. you, there's nothing you can't do. Yeah, yeah, I totally believe that too. And um, uh, I, I heard once or I read once that, that um, the successful people in life are uh, one thing that they're really, really good at is making good decisions. And those decisions um, then kind of take you into the place where, where you, you know, where, where the person is at because of a decision that they made along the way. Are there any, like, certain, you know, like, uh, 
were there any points that you can kind of just like really think about where you said, man, if I didn't say yes to this, or if I, if I, because I said no to this, it opened me up for this because I always feel like life has a really funny way of, um, you know, one day you can be interacting with somebody and it could completely change the trajectory of your entire life. Um, for it, but is there, are there certain sort of decision-making moments that you kind of felt like, man, if I had, hadn't done that or been here or anything like that, like I wouldn't be here? Oh yeah, for sure. There's a variety of them. Um, you know, and the, the most important decision you ever make is the next one you're going to make for that exact reason. Every decision we make leads to the next, leads to the next. Um, and y'all remind me of that whenever I order dessert tonight, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, there was one point just out of high school where I got this um, remarkably unique idea that I was going to leave the valley and move to Austin. For what? I don't know. Probably none of the right reasons. Um, Wait, how old were you when this happened? Because I had that same... Um, 18, 19, okay. some, something, yeah. some ridiculous age like that. By the way, I was already working here. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, um, I, can't, I can't remember how all the details worked out, but I moved half of my stuff to Austin. I put in my um, uh, resignation. Mm-hmm. I do not know what I was thinking. And right now I can't remember for the life of me what turned that decision, but I ended up not going. And uh, really? so that was interesting. I had to collect all my stuff and come back. And I'm so glad I didn't because who knows, you know, would, would I have completed college? I don't know. Would, would mm-hmm. I have made the connections uh, I made into some of my next jobs? You know, probably not. Um, there was another point in time where I made the decision to leave the dealership. And that was very hard because this was... Um, you know, this was my second family and, and I felt very much at home here. I felt, uh, at the time I was kind of the baby of Bert Ogden and, and, um, you know, very well taken care of, but Mm -hmm. I had, uh, the opportunity to go work for a a very large national bank. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was really curious, but, you know, also scared and hesitant. And Mr. Backer gave me uh, a glowing encouragement and endorsement. And he said, yeah, absolutely. You need to go see what's, what's beyond the nest, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm so glad that I did that because that gave me a very different perspective on um, what other aspects of business look like mm-hmm. and what was possible and what else my skill sets were. And if I had not gone and taken that job, mm-hmm. I, I would probably still be working here, but I would not be sitting in this seat. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would most likely be sitting uh, in the role of being a general manager. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, that's a fantastic job to have, but I definitely enjoy the um, entrepreneurial nature of what I get to do uh, right. more more than if my life had gone in that direction, right? And so even leaving, and then coming back set a whole different course for what I was going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a ton of those decisions throughout your life. Yeah. And I think that any one of those decisions always kind of changes your perspective on life just a, like a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like it tweaks things up. Um, and because of because you kind of came from that corporate structure, I would imagine that anything that you learned from there, you were like, hey, these are some really great uh, ways that, that this company does it. 
Well, yeah, I think I think that was uh, one benefit I was able to bring into the dealership is, um, you know, these dealerships grew so fast, which was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when you grow that fast, it's hard to employ necessarily the the corporate structure that you may want to. And so I think my having been in that environment gave mm-hmm. me a unique perspective. Um, to help the stores achieve what they were looking for with mm-hmm. that. And I don't know that I would have been as wise to be able to do that had I not had that other perspective. Yeah, yeah, um, because those those kinds of things can definitely uh, change the way that you look at things and the way that you suggest things and, and things like that. So you left and then you came back. Mm-hmm. But you didn't come back as a CEO. No, I came back as, uh, I came back as the corporate strategist which was um, a variety of administrative work and um, dealing a lot with uh, real estate and some um, some open points and some acquisitions and um, kind of moving some things in a corporate direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was definitely not the the leadership role that I that I have today. Um, so it was more like operations. Um, I, I would call it much more administration. Mm, got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Hmm. And so how long were you in that until, well, I guess, uh, the backers were like, hmm, Natasha? So I'm the worst at remembering the timestamps oh. on what happened when. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, so I came back as the corporate strategist, which was a beautiful hodgepodge of, of many different administrative functions. And again, there in comes the lacking the capacity to mind my own business. And so I was grabbing this and grabbing that and taking on different things. And um, so then I moved into the role of the corporate administrator Mm -hmm. um, and really began working much more closely with Mr. Vacker, who was holding the title of CEO at the time. Mm And it's really hard to say. I mean, I know what the timestamp is on the on the CEO position, but it's really hard to say exactly when that happened because it was just one of those things where I have a tendency to be such a take charge uh, type of a person. Which, by the way, some people call that controlling, but you know, I call it <laughs> take charge personality. I love the positive connotation behind that. Yes, thank you, thank you, Zine's perspective. <laughs> That's um, right. That. You know, I was just very proactive about, you know, taking things on and making decisions and um, but very communicative with him about, you know, this is what I think. This is what I think we should do. There's the outcomes that I see. And I think that uh, that closeness and that connection, that communication gave him the confidence to say, OK, I'm ready to go ahead and relinquish this position to, to someone else, because I'm sure that was not an easy thing for him to do as as long as as, as he's, he's been, been doing, doing it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, a, and in a super hands on sort of way, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very present and engaged donor. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I picked up, you know, through the years of being kind of in the automotive realm is, is that and I mean, really, it's it. it Mr. Vacker, at least from an outsider's perspective, from my perspective anyway, really drove the Bird Ogden name and expanded, I mean, under his leadership. So a lot of these dealerships, I would I would think that he would consider them his babies and well, he considers them all his babies. But yes, to your point, um, there there was a, a, a certain number of dealerships, but the majority of the of the growth has happened with him and Janet at the helm of these dealerships. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and he's a tremendously uh, uh, capable and astute businessman, and and so yeah, he's he's done a most excellent job, and he's done it, you know, with both hands on the steering wheel. So I'm sure it was definitely a challenge for him to to, to yeah release to, a little yeah because uh, letting go of that letting go of that must have been really um, really really difficult, and so he must have had just a tremendous. Sounds well, I like hope he had a tremendous I, I hope I made it confidence. a little bit easier, but well, and I mean, hey, look, um, from all of the numbers and everything that that uh, that we're in, even in in post pandemic times, I mean, I look at all of those numbers, and I mean, y'all are kicking butt. Mm. I mean, breaking records left and right. There's just we had things. ten record breaking months last year. Did you really? Mm -hmm. Ten record break during COVID. During COVID. That yeah. is amazing. On multiple brands, on multiple on 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 every level of business. Yeah, man. Yeah, it it was not just. I mean, we definitely have certain shining stars throughout the organization, but talking about the organization as a whole, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there it was ten out of twelve months where we just you know broke our own best records and and set new standards for ourselves. Um, and you know, one thing that that we talk to the team about all the time is. Remember, bad habits can be developed during good times, and your good habits are developed during bad times, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, that's one of those humbling comments to, to remember how we behave differently when you know, you're riding that wave or when things are difficult. And so I think certainly um, we refined some of our you know, processes and procedures. Uh, uh, many of our metrics became better, and, mm -hmm. and we really checked ourselves and held ourselves more accountable than ever during the pandemic, you know, given all of that uncertainty. And, you know, it almost feels embarrassing to say that we hadn't done some of those things before, but, you know, the reality is when you had the severity of that circumstance placed upon you, everything went into overdrive in terms of positive accountability. Mm -hmm. And so now as we sit here and look at what the year behind us, you know, has taught us and what the year ahead, you know, we're going to face, we're, we're really focused on things have been good. Let's not pick up any of those old bad habits again. Let's remember how we got here. Let's remember how those, how those good habits we learned during those hard times served us and, and carry those forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, remarkable, like what you all have been able to do during, during a pandemic when everybody's was just really scared and nobody really knew exactly where to go. You all just kind of kept charging forward it sounds like i am so glad that that's what it looks like to you <laughs> i am so glad it's your it's you're the duck on the water <laughs> and in the background you're like swimming frantically yes that that's so true um there i'll i will tell you this and um i'm gonna i'm gonna completely deny it if any of our gms watch this but um we had more conference calls than we've ever had before during the pandemic and especially early on as we're trying to reorganize everything about the way that we do business whether it's just internally with our own staff or externally with our, our guest mm -hmm. and a lot of this was very heavy for me and you know I knew I had absolute confidence in the decisions that um, we were making and executing but there was still a bit of a fear factor of the unknown because mm. you know you know what you're doing is right but is it right enough to overcome the challenges of this completely uncontrollable obstacle and uh there was one time where you know we were having a very 
matter-of-fact conference call about you know how things needed to roll out what needed to be done and talking about you know if we're not considered an essential business if the sales department isn't considered mm. an essential business and only services this is how it's going to look and there was one point where i had to excuse myself from the call and i'm sure i said i needed to get a report or a number or something but i put the phone on mute and i just had to take a minute because um, I was trying to keep that that, that smooth, cool. confident, yeah, uh, demeanor about me as as we led through. But there was this, you know, moment of, is this enough? Is this mm. is this going to be enough to get us where we need to be? And you know, so I I took about fifteen seconds to gather myself, and then you know, took it off mute, and and off we went. But um, I'm so glad that that it looked that smooth from the outside because there were certainly moments, uh, you know, behind closed doors where. It was a little bit less than smooth. Yeah, I can imagine. Because how many employees do you all have? A thousand ninety-four. A thousand ninety. Wow. Yeah. So I, I would imagine the tons of scenarios were probably running through your mind if you know you all had to shut down and all of the families and mm -hmm. all of these things. And mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a big and, responsibility. You know, we may have a thousand ninety-four people employed, but when we talk about who we're responsible for, mm -hmm. that number we talk about is closer to the four or five thousand person range, right? Because for every employee that we have, they have a family who mm -hmm. counts on them and depends on them and they depend on us for a job. And so well, I think even beyond that, even beyond that, I mean, just beyond the, the people that are under your roof, the the amount of people that you affect and the amount of business, the economic impact that you mm -hmm. all have in this area is tremendous. I mean, you all sponsor community-wide events. You all have tons of different vendors. So it is a very much a trickle effect mm -hmm. of it, not just the internal core of the four or 5,000 people that you are directly in connection with, but all of the other people that are, are affected by anything that, that happens internally. So not to add more pressure, to, <laughs> but I mean, just to really, you know, when, when you look at it at that scope, I mean, wow, I, um, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be uh, quite the responsibility. And um, so, uh, you know, you've had, it's, You've had a lot of success um, in, in your you. three or four years, going on four years, mm -hmm. your four years um, at, at Bert Ogden. Um, what are kind well, of- Well, in my defense, 22 years, I think is how we count the Bert Ogden time. That's how we do the oh, Bert Ogden math. Oh, is that the math. way, is that the- mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how we do <laughs> okay. the Bert Ogden math, but within this position, yes. Oh, okay, wait, so how old were you when you first, when you first got hired? <clears throat> So don't tell any of the current employees because we don't do this anymore. But I was 15, 15 when I first got old. hired here. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then... Um, you were like Doogie Howser. And um, do you remember Doogie Howser? Is uh, yes, that, am I dating yeah, myself? Um, no, not at all. Okay. Because if you are, I am too. <laughs> or, or, yes, I, I totally remember uh, Doogie Howser. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I was that sharp. But uh, I started when I was 15. And then I was here until I was... Um, 23 and then I came back uh, right after my son was born and he's nine now he, he's about to be 10 uh, well he'll be 10 in about six months so I guess he's nine and a half mm. um, and and so I've been back since then and you just had a birthday right so happy belated birthday thank you thank it's, you very it much. is your birthday month still I believe 
for two more days. Yeah. Do you, two more days. Yes. Is that the way you celebrate? Do you celebrate like that? Do you say like, oh, it's my birthday month? Or like, what do you what do you do to treat yourself? Do I have permission to celebrate my birthday can. all I month? You, I mean, you're the CEO. You can do whatever you okay, want. Okay, well, then I'm going to celebrate tonight and tomorrow and just make it the whole birthday month. Okay, but. okay well, invite me because, <laughs> no, actually, that's always real bad, right? Like, I always say, like, you should never invite yourself. Like, if you're not invited, just don't ask. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Um, so, so what did you do for your birthday? Um, what did, well, well, I was at the office, right? But that's okay because of I have an course. amazing, yeah, I have an amazing uh, extended family at the office. And so uh, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't know how much work got done that day because there was so much fun and so much celebrating. But you know what was really cool about my birthday was um, the night before my birthday, we had kind of like a pre-birthday get together. So I guess I do extend my birthday out as I, totally I guess allowable. I jumped on into March there, but I uh, had like this pre-birthday get together and, and my kids decided that we should open a bunch of presents and have food, which was this giant debacle because the food never showed up. It was like 10 o'clock at night and we're ordering pizza. It was, it was, that part was a mess, but the kids wanted to play Pictionary. And so, um, we divided up into two teams and mm -hmm. thinking like this was a kid oriented thing. I very quickly learned that the, that the adults were taking over, but way more competitive, yes, <laughs> but we, we divided into two teams and, and, uh, put our own spin on the rules to Pictionary and it was super competitive. Um, and so hilarious because one of my girlfriends who is, uh, definitely a calming center for my, you know, very uh, intense personality. And she, she's, she's always a calm spot for me. Um, next thing I know, she's to my left and I, and I was the one drawing. I started to erase the picture to draw the next one. And she, she like elbowed me and body blocked me out of the way. <laughs> just made like this quick swipe across the board. There was remnants of the last picture behind and she's just telling me to go in the bare spot. <laughs> I'm like, where, where did you come from? But it, it was a great time and we made some fantastic memories. That's super cool. Yeah. That's super cool because I mean, going from CEO to just like mom, right? I mean, that's a so important. That is so important. So um, my kids don't, I don't think my kids know what my job title is. Mm. Um, and I, they know where I work and, and I think that they're somewhat impressed with that, you mm -hmm. know, as we drive around the Valley and they see, and they recognize the, the logo, the logo and they see the car dealerships. And when the commercials come on TV, they're like, Hey mommy, look, that's your work. Um, so, so they're somewhat aware, but, but they're not, well, one, they're too young to really understand the hierarchy, um, but I don't, I don't behave that way at home, mm -hmm. and I, I don't present that to them at home. And so there's been a few times where they'll come to the office with me for whatever reason, and someone will say, uh, oh, yeah, your mom's, your mom's our boss. And I remember one time we got upstairs, and uh, my middle son, Connor, he's like, Mommy, why did that man downstairs say that you're the boss? And I was <laughs> like, um... Because that's really not a word that I use, right? Mm. And uh, I, I have no desire to be a boss, right? But so, so I'm like, um, well, you know, technically, I am responsible for, you know, leading the direction on the decisions that, you know, indicate where these individuals are going. Did you and tell I'm thinking, them like that? Well, and yes. And so I am very focused on speaking grown-up language to my children. And so my children have fantastic vocabularies and their teachers have all told me um, that my children are very well able to articulate themselves and, and emotionally intelligent, able 
you know, to articulate those emotions as well. Mm -hmm. However, that particular time, that particular sentence, I stood there and I thought, yeah, I don't, I don't think that landed. I, I don't think that hit like that. And, mm -hmm. and he looked at me and that was really the moment I knew that it hadn't landed. And he said, you're not the boss, you're just mom. And there was a part of me that was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but then there was a part of me that said, oh man, you're doing something you're right. You're doing something right. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? At this young age, if, if I cannot possibly be the boss because I am nothing more than mom, then I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. You get to be 16 or 17, we're gonna have another conversation if you say that to me again. <laughs> right, yeah, then you're gonna be like, you know who the boss is? Me. <laughs> yeah, um, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a, a, a good balancing act to be able to do that and then somewhere along well you've got that one hour right for time Natasha mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the other things that you do to just kind of break away like how much of how much of your life is revolved around being the CEO quite quite a lot of it percent? yeah I mean I um, I would say between between my kids and work, I'd say that consumes probably 90, you know, 98%. Yeah, yeah, probably 98% of, of my time. But you know, you find, you find pockets here and there for things that are fun and interesting. And I'm definitely eager to get to, to a point where we can travel and go do things again and, and, you know, create new memories and create new experiences. But you get um, vacation time? Do you? Yes, I do. And do you, who do you have to ask for permission yourself? Um, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess technically I would be in charge of, of, uh, of creating that calendar, but from a respect aspect, I, I've always, never gone on vacation without talking to Mr. Vacker so that he knows what's you know going on and where I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but but you know what, um, you've you got to be present where you're at and and make the fun where you're at, right? And right. so so that was actually really critical for me too um, during the pandemic because suddenly you can't go do anything, right? And so you know I think when you're surrounded by people that you love and that you enjoy investing your time in when you have been privileged enough and I'm going to use that word I am mm -hmm. so privileged mm -hmm. to have a job that that I'm passionate about mm -hmm. that you know I never I never have a Monday you know mm -hmm. I never wake up and say oh it's Monday I got to go to work right and I never have a Friday where I'm like it's 459 got to go right. right like I love being there I even though it is crazy and at times chaotic and there's times where I'm like what is going on here this is just bananas right I love it right and so Find, finding ways to, to have fun and, and be happy and be energized right where you're at. You know, mm -hmm. it's so important. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that a lot of the things, all the curveballs and all of the craziness, I think that those are always opportunities for you to be like, okay, this is different, right? Like the COVID thing, it's like, okay, well, here's, a, rather than looking at it and saying like, oh crap, how am I gonna deal with this? It's like, okay, well, here's an opportunity to learn going to be your first crisis that you've gone mm -hmm. through but hey at the end of the at the at the end of everything you're going to be that much smarter that much wiser and what an adventure well and it's like we talked about the other day you know mm -hmm. i've 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 never learned anything in a moment of being honored or acclaimed i'm not saying those things aren't nice mm -hmm. but everything worth knowing that i've learned has happened you know in times of adversity right for yeah. sure for yeah. sure. Um, but on the topic of things I like, I will say, um, I like anything I've never done before. You like? 
I like I like anything, anything I've never done before. So oh, I'm okay. so excited for new experiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm always really eager to try something that I've never done before um, and go places I've never been and, and try foods I've, I've never had. I just think the world is so big and we're so small and there's so much of it out there. Like I'm, I just get really excited to try things I've never tried before. So what's on your bucket list? I have a 50 page bucket list. Get out of here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've never shown it to anyone. Except for today. I'll give, I'll give you a few. <laughs> okay, just a few. I'll, I'll give you a few. In no particular order. Um, some of them are related to family, right? And those are, those are very beautiful and very personal. Uh, one of the things on my bucket list had been uh, um, to be nationally recognized for my efforts at work. And, um, and it's so funny because I'd written all these things down. And then when that happened, it, it, didn't, it didn't click. Mm. It was like... It wasn't, a, it wasn't mentally like a check mark. Because mm -mm. I had written these down in a book, and uh, and I keep the book with me, um, but I don't. I maybe I should look at it every day. I don't necessarily look at it every day. But one day I was like, you know, I'm gonna look through this and see, like, am I making progress towards these goals? These 50 things that it, for me it's actually 50 things I want to do before I'm 50 years old. Oh. Um, and I was like, hey, I, I have done that. That's, you know, that's, that's really, really awesome. Okay, so here's, here's my most recent kind of funky thing that I really desperately want to do. Okay. I want to take my kids to Australia and I want to go stay in a luxury tree house in Australia. Like not a hotel, but like a full blown in a tree it, but but let's just be clear. It will be glamping. It's not gonna. gonna we're yeah. not gonna be roughing There's, it. Yeah. But yeah. like a full blown tree house in a tree. I I want I want to sleep in a tree and have windows all around me and just see the open world and maybe a kangaroo or something. Is that what? Is that why Australia? Because like you want to wake up next to koala or. Um, it's really about where the. Uh, well, first of all, I think that there would just be so many amazing things uh, mm -hmm. to, to see there. And, and certainly I think my kids would get a kick out of it, but um, it's got a higher concentration of luxury tree houses than some of these other places. But because mm. I am talking like a legit tree house. Mm. Yeah, so like um, almost Avatar-ish where you're just like hanging out on the tree and then you just sleep, but in a nice, mm -hmm. I know Disney World has something like that. <laughs> it's probably not Australia-ish, but yeah, I hear Australia is definitely that's that's pretty awesome. I didn't even know that existed. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Okay, what else is a thing? What else? What What's one of the other ones? Mm, what is one of the other ones? Okay, so... Because um, uh, it sounds like you crave adventure. I do crave adventure. And my nine-year-old asked me the other day, he said, Mommy, is this picture, this is you? And I said, yeah, baby, that's me. And I'm skydiving. And he says, Mommy, can I go skydiving? And I said, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> But when you're 18, we'll have this conversation again. And so now he's asked me like every day for a week, like, mommy, can, can we go skydiving? You'll go with me when I'm 18? I'm like, yeah, for sure. I will go with you when you're 18. Mm. So yes, I do, I do crave adventure. When did you go skydiving? How old were you when you went skydiving? Um, early 20s. Oh, okay. Early 20s. And so to that point, mm. what, what is being said between the lines here, you're not actually saying, is I did, as I'm telling my son, yes, we're going to go. I thought to myself, you know, um, there's a different level of maturity and resolve 
regarding your responsibilities and safety and danger when you are early 20s for sure to a little bit older than right early little, 20s. Little old, just yeah, a little bit older just a little bit older and will i still have uh the courage to just jump out of a plane when he's 18 but i think i will because it'll it'll mean if he's still if he still wants to do it, you know, because it'll mean something to him. Well, and I think also, I mean, there is a certain sense when you're in your 20s, it's like you've got like invincibility. Oh, yeah. Right. It's oh, like yeah. you've got like this this invincibility where you're like, nothing's going to happen to me. Like I could do whatever I want. And then somewhere between 20 something and 30 something, you're like, oh, man, I'm kind of fragile. Like I, I don't <laughs> want to do that. Or like, you know what it was for me? It's kids. Mm. That for me, for me, it was the point of having kids, because prior to that, what's you know there there's no one that's dependent on you, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, oof! If something happens to me, you know, you have these three little beautiful lives hanging in the balance, and so I, I got to be a little more careful with myself. Yeah, and I think for me too, I'm like, I'm like the same way um, where like I think to myself, okay, there's a statistic out there that says like somebody's not going to make it and more than likely I'm going to fall in that statistic <laughs> and then people are going to say, what did Jerry do? Like, why would he do something like that? And I just know that that's going to be me. So I just kind of abstain. From no, 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 no. We're going to work on your positive, your positive <laughs> mental positive attitude. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm the one that's convinced that I'm going to defy those odds. Mm, so, okay. Well, that, that kind of, that, that kind of, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, life lessons. Um, what would you say, like, what do you, what are some of the things that your parents kind of instilled in you that now you're instilling in your kids? Oof. Um, you know, in all honesty, Jerry, I had a very rocky upbringing. Mm. And so I would not say that that's necessarily the avenue uh, where I received pearls of wisdom so, from. So hard knocks, like you kind of learn, you kind of learn through, ex through certain experiences, like, okay, you should do that or don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then from that, that's kind of how you started to pick up things. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a challenging upbringing, but uh, I mean, there's so many, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you even begin to impart all the life lessons, you know, on, on young people or, you know, on kids. But, um, you know, so here's one that is kind of controversial to, to some people, but, you know, I've got several, um, friends that are, you know, single females that are younger than me and, mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes are kind of wondering when is that next phase of my, of my life going to begin? And I think a lot of us, um, have grown up with this, and I know I certainly did, with this attitude that, you know, you, you, you grow up, you get married, you have a family, and, you know, that is what it is. And, and I even had some of that very early on, and there were, there were things that it did not occur to me that I could do, and, um, and, I, and I think I made some, some decisions that kind of held me back from time to time and and you know so I see I see a lot of these young girls sometimes thinking that there's a time frame on some of these things and and just really trying to show them that you know there's there's no time frame on it and the best investment you can ever make is you know in is an investment yeah is an investment in yourself and it it you know it just makes you so much 
so much more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have this uh, I have this T-shirt that my kids gave me, and it said uh, "Raising Kind Humans." And I snicker when I see that That's T-shirt. That's awesome. Well, I snicker when I see that T-shirt because uh, when they're bickering, I'm tempted to go put it on and be like, <laughs> "Remember, remember this." Um, but you know that that's another one too. You know, there's there's things that I was not allowed to do as a child. Like there would be no running in the house. There would be no, you know, yelling or screaming or rambunctiousness. And, and I'm not a big fan of the yelling and screaming because it's you know it's it's, yeah, it's a puts, lot. It puts you on edge, right? Yeah. Right. But um, I could care less if my kids run in the house. I could mm-hmm. really care less. And you know we're gonna go outside and we're gonna play hard and I'm gonna play hard with you. And I'm not hugely uh, overly excited about you know strict bedtimes and and some of these things that that I grew up with, but. Um, you know, the deal breaker for me is what is the state of your moral character, Mm -hmm. right? The decisions you make today about moral issues completely determine the man or the woman that you're going to become, right? And so when we talk about, you know, how you behave and how you treat one another and how you treat other people around you, I'm not concerned with, you know, who you're going to be right now. I'm concerned who you're going to be your whole life, right? right. So, so really focusing on being kind, being uh, mindful of others, thinking of others ahead of ourselves and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. And those are all just fundamental things that, that are sort of the pillars of what ends up making a person who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that person who is hopefully one day they're looking at this and they're, they look at you and they say, I want to be her. I want to be, I want to be Natasha. Like what one piece of advice would you uh, give them if they said, I want to be a CEO one day. I want to be able to be a good mom and a, uh, a strong leader and all of the things that, that you are, what I would, would you say? I would tell you the first thing you've got to do is make your mind up that Mm. you're going to succeed. Mm. You have to make your mind up that you're going to succeed and you've really got to believe that, right? Because you, you, you can't get where you're going if you don't know where you're going, right? So you have to make your mind up that that's where you're going to go. You've got to be able to envision it and you work every day towards it, right? Mm. You don't, you don't just go from zero to a hundred, you know, in, in one step. So, you know, we talked before about, um, you know, decisions leading to the next decision. And, and that's why I love that saying that the, the most important decision you're going to make is your very next decision. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so make your mind up about who you want to be and, or what you want to be or, or whatever that looks like, and then be intentional in those decisions. Right. You know, something I tell my kids all the time is that the, the, easy decision and the right decision are usually not the same decision. Right. And right. so, um, we can do the easy thing and it's going to feel good for about a second. Right. But it's not going to, it's not going to take us where we're trying to go. So, you know, I, I really believe that statement that, um, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And, and I think that there's great power in, in having a vision for your life. So make up your mind what you want to do and then just start working towards it one, one little step at a time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, on the next podcast, if, uh, if, you're, if you're up for it, I'd like to know more about your, um, 
what else is on your bucket list? And then there's like a ton of things. There's a ton of questions and things that I have. I know that you're really, really busy, so I really okay, appreciate Okay, you asked time. me one. I'm going to give you I'm I'm going to give you one. Okay. Um, and it's very vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to say that, but I want to write a book. Really? I want to write a book. I want to be a published author. And mm-hmm. what and what what would the book be about? Can't tell you. We'll just have to wait for the book. You'll, you'll, you'll have to wait for the book. We'll just yeah, have to won't. wait for the book. Yeah, well, I, I, you know what? I have all the confidence in the world that one day I'm going to be at Barnes & Noble. Probably it's going to be online. I'll, I'll, I will be the one that took you there to say, Jerry, you need to, <laughs> like, you need right. to read this book. Well, you're going to have to sign yeah. it. And yeah, then I'm going, to be at, it. I'm going to be at your, I'm going to, I'll be the first one in line at your book signing. All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, cheers. Cheers. To a, to a, uh, a, a great um podcast and a great year and thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it oh thanks jerry